Hunger Games Fan Podcast, episode number 34. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Oh yeah, my friends, it's that time again. We're back with another episode of the Hunger Games Fan Podcast. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. I'm Stephanie Ravenscraft. And my friends, we are going to be covering chapters 6 and 7 from the third installment of the Hunger Games trilogy, Mockingjay. We are. And just in time, because we need to wrap things up here so we can actually go and see the first movie that is going to be released here this coming month. In about 23 days. In about 23 days. We are recording this on Wednesday, February 29th, 2012. And uh, I think, Stephanie, we left off with Chapter 5. Basically, um, District 13 had decided to dress Katniss all up and make her look all pretty so she could be the Mockingjay for everyone. And they decided to get her into this beautifully laid out uh, set, this, yeah. this studio, if you will, and have her record some messages to the people. And we... It didn't go so well. It didn't go so well. <laughs> and things left off with Hamish saying, bravo. And that, my friends, is how a revolution dies. Absolutely. And uh, so, yeah. So what's going to yeah. happen? I wonder... I wonder. It has been a while since we read chapter six and seven. It has. I'm really glad we went through the notes before we started. I am too. Our lives have been a little crazy here. We won't give you too many details. We'll just say that things have been amazing. Some really just absolutely wonderful things have been going on uh, for GSPN.TV and the business that I do of teaching and helping people learn how to podcast. So, um, Really, honestly, I, I I would love to apologize to you guys, but honestly, I, the, the things that have been going on have just been amazing, and right. and I just want to say thank you for for sticking around and waiting for us to get back into our normal schedule of producing these podcasts uh, here for the Hunger Games Fan Podcast. So, Chapter Six, Stephanie, we have a lot of highlighted notes. We I think do. we should just go through and have you read some highlights, and okay. and uh, we'll discuss them as we go yeah. through. Okay, so um. So this is now, I guess, the next day. Okay. After and that, my friends, is how revolution dies. Right. And and Katniss is like, okay, first I'm shocked at hearing Hamage's voice. Because I don't think she's had any contact with Hamage since she clawed him in the face. Right. Right. Okay. And she's been in thirteen for a while now. Okay. So first the sh- the the shock of hearing Hamage's voice yesterday. That I mean that that was shock enough of learning that he was not only functional but had some measure of control over my life again enraged me. So now she's all fired up. She is ready to go. It, 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 it's odd to me that she hadn't thought. Well, whatever happened to Hamage? You know that we didn't hear a lot she about. She didn't that. care. <laughs> exactly. She didn't care. Not one bit. Right. Now the thing is, is of course Hamage is aware that. Eh, you guys, I, I think you need to know some things about Katniss. 
So it took the whole afternoon of this morning, it took the whole of this morning for Haymitch to convince the others of my limitations, she mm-hmm. says. That I can't pull it off. I can't stand in a television studio wearing a costume and makeup in a cloud of fate smoke and rally the districts to victory. It's amazing, really, how long I have survived the cameras. The credit for that, of course, goes to PETA. Alone. I cannot be the Mockingjay. Right. So here's the deal. Um, Haymitch is like, guys, listen, what you're trying to do is not going to work. Not going to work. I've been working with this girl a lot longer than you have. And then what the question is, is so it's taken him all morning to to convince them that this isn't going to work out. He spends the entire morning working this out what i mean they they obviously have been preparing this stage for her for some time had he not started to try to convince them ahead of time well that's what i think i think he's just recently back in the game after you know district 13 allows no alcohol right right so so he's been he's actually been recovering he's been in detox kind of yeah in fact katniss even says he looks slightly yellow and has lost a lot of weight uh giving him a shrunken appearance for a second i'm afraid he's dying and i have to remind myself i don't care (laughs) yeah so so no love lost between them that's for sure and that that's that's quite disturbing to me because they had become close after the first Hunger Games, they when did. they moved home and and her and Peter were living in the Victor's Village, the three of them had, they kind um, um Katniss and Peter kind of took care of, of Haymitch in a way and yeah, but she I, deep inside I think she's angry because of the fact that you know it's there not was very a, deep it's pretty surface okay <laughs> she she's very angry, uh, which goes all the way to her core is what I meant yes. to say about the fact that that. You know, he promised that, that Peter would be that he would make it out of this. Yeah. And he did not live up to that. Yeah. And, and she's mad. Uh, she is a little bit. Yeah. All right. So and what I did love, she say? I'm okay, sorry. What? So, no, go ahead. Well, no, this is this is one of my favorite parts of this book. I've I've been very upfront with you that this last book was not this my is, favorite. This is where Hamage shines. And this is one part that I really absolutely love. And um, and I was very excited when we finally got to this place to read um and and he does shine here and he he so he has them all in the room and he says um i want everyone to think of one incident where katniss everdeen genuinely moved you not where you were jealous of her hairstyle or her dress went up in flames or she made a halfway decent shot with an arrow not where PETA was making you like her. I want to hear one moment where she made you feel something real. Yeah. I love that. I did as well. And, and of I course, love that. This, this, it's like, listen, not, I don't, we don't want to hear about the byproduct that the capital devised. Right. You know, because that's all fake. It's all smoke and mirrors. Exactly. But, but there is, the thing is, what you guys are missing is you think that it's because of what you've done. It's because of what the capital has done that everybody loves her. No. But I'm telling you, there is something deeper underneath the makeup, underneath, underneath the costumes. There is something else that makes her the Mockingjay. Right. Absolutely. 
So better than that is that here she is. She's sitting here. And if she's like me, I have a really hard time hearing things about myself that I've I've done well. I'd much rather you list off my list of failures. Right. You know, I'm I'm very comfortable with them. Um but but I really have a hard time listening to people speak good things about me. Right. It it really is difficult. Anyway, so she, she here she is, she's stretching on. I can imagine like a discomfort coming over her already. And then she's like, the quiet stretches out. And I'm beginning to think it will never end. When Levy speaks up. When she volunteered to take Prim's place at the reaping. Because I'm sure she thought she was going to die. Right. And then, of course, uh, I think it was Boggs who says that it, there was the point where she sang that song for Rue when Rue had died. Mm-hmm. You know, that that really was a touching and movement, moving moment. Mm-hmm. I cried when she drugged Peta so she could go get him medicine. And when she kissed him goodbye, blurts out Octavia. Yeah. I did too. Did you? <laughs> I did. Nice. Yeah. So the basically the moments that people were sharing came on thick and yeah. fast. And there was no particular chronological order or anything like that. Um, you know, so she continued to go on and, and list off the things, you know, there was the berries that meant something different to every single person, you know, the love for Peter, the refusal, refusal to give up under pressure, impossible odds, defiance of the capitals inhumanity. you know, they, they all had one thing in common, says Gail, they were all Katniss. They were, uh, no one told her what to do. Or what to say. And then BD jumps up. Unscripted. Exactly. That's right. You know, that's, 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 that's it. I love it. He's like, so we should just leave you alone, right? And then everybody, of course, laughs at this. Right. Unfortunately, her opportunities for being wonderful are rather limited here in 13. So unless you're suggesting we toss her into the middle of combat, that's exactly what I'm suggesting, says Hamage. And this is where the fun begins. <laughs> exactly. Put her out in the field and just keep the cameras Absolutely. rolling. Absolutely. But people think she's pregnant, Gail points out. Who cares? Oh, gosh. Did we just bring Gail into this chapter? You brought him into it a Ugh. few sentences ago, but I ignored it. <laughs> I, I did, Thanks too. Thanks for pointing it out. <laughs> nice. All right. Um. So so they've made up a story. They're going to spread the word that she lost the baby because of the electrical shock from, from the thing. And but but still they don't want to send her and and finally she speaks up and she says I I want to go, I want to go, um th- I am no help here, and um, Coin is like but what if you're killed and she's like um make sure you get some good footage yeah I'm sure I'm sure it, you can use that exactly it, you know? that would that she she's like listen that would go a whole lot further than me standing in your fake studio right and 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 she gets that and I I think that that takes courage and and maturity to yeah. understand that so Coin says fine they will um they will do that find the the least dangerous you know situation and and um. Something to try to invoke spontaneity, spontaneity. right? Which, which is what she operates best on, right? You know, she, she needs that. And I love the guy who says to wash her face, you know, because they have, she's a girl and they've turned her into, to something that she's not. And I love that he points out that it's something like, it's like something that capital would do. And the funny part about that is, is that they brought in, 
the people the from, people the, from capital. the capital that's all they know mm-hmm. right they they don't they don't understand anything else so she has a moment alone with um with Hamage. yep and so she's finally able to Hamage to take, say to him Hamage takes the seats a seat across from me we're going to have to work together again. So go ahead and just the say same. it. And and he knows. And she, I can't believe you didn't rescue Peta. And I love, he just replies, I know. Yeah. I know. There's a sense of incompleteness. Uh, but he's not a, he hasn't apologized. And that's not what the incompleteness is about. It's, it's because we were a team. We had a deal to keep Peta safe. A drunken unrealistic deal made in the dark of night, but a deal just the same. And in a, my heart of hearts, I know we both failed. And then he See, her deep to her core anger with Hamage is not only about Hamage mm-hmm. because he says back to her no, or I tell him, she tells she him, she says to him, now you say it. And he responds, I can't believe you'd let him out of your sight that night. Yeah. You know, so She's not just angry at Hamage. Mm-hmm. She's very angry at herself also. And it's not, I mean, it, it's not Hamage. He's like, Hamage is literally, he's like, I would have never thought for a million, in a million years, you would have let that boy out of your sight. Right. You know, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? So. But yeah. he also admits that she didn't have a choice. So they decide that, okay, well, they're yeah. going to have to work together. And Hamage is like, hey, when you're on the ground, remember, you know, I'll be airborne. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. She's like, you're listen- You're going to have to do everything I tell you. And she says, eh, we'll, uh, see. we'll see. So I love that. But um, she looks so, in the mirror. Yeah. She washes her. They wash her face and, and she looks in the mirror. She looks, the person in the mirror looks ragged. Just ragged. And so I tried to take this. Um, the Im- okay. So the Hunger Games trailers are all over television now. Yes. Yeah. They and are. I actually don't fast forward through I, through them. I I watch them. Um, and so I take the image of of um Jennifer Lawrence playing Katniss, and she looks stunning. Yeah. Right now. You know what's cool and about still the- reading these books. Mm-hmm. After, you know, all these tracks, because now when I'm actually reading the books, I actually see Jennifer see Lawrence Jer- yeah. as as Katniss. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I have to I have to tell you, Jennifer Lawrence is a lot prettier than the Katniss I had in mind when I read these books. Really? Yeah. Um, the, the first time through. What did you think of X-Men First Class? And I her really liked that? it. She did a really good job. She did a very good she job. She did. I really enjoyed that. Um, I tried to watch um, Winter's Bone. Is that oh what gosh, that was horrible. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't make it through. Although that. It, it reminded it me a lot slow. of it reminded <laughs> me a lot of what District Twelve might have been. I like. know, right? So but, um, uh, that I just could not. Watch. I I think we got what eight minutes into something. It, it was boring me. Yeah, it wasn't it. moving fast enough, and I was probably really tired. So yeah. anyway, um, anyway, go ahead. But but I'm I'm watching these trailers, and and she is you know, stunningly gorgeous and thinking about the makeup and what she's going to have to look like by this point visually, you know, um, the person in the mirror looks ragged with her uneven skin and tired eyes, but she looks like me. 
and then she rips off the armband to show her, her scar. scar where the tracker was and she's like yep that looks like me too yeah you know um the next thing that happens is after this you know they're ready to take her to the hover plane boggs is you know <laughs> escorting her and then all out comes finicodair <laughs> i love that this he is so funny mm-hmm. even in his little crazy state he's got going on here and so um she takes in the side of him and he has you know bare legs are showing um in between his hospital gown and, and his slippers and his hair's a tangled mess and he's got a a knotted rope that he's twisting around his fingers and a wild look in his eyes and um but he wants to go like he just assumes he's, he's going, going right yeah. and so even i don't think it's a good idea to bring him so i smack my forehead on my hand or my head hand on my forehead and i say oh i forgot it's this stupid concussion. I was supposed to tell you to report to Beatty in speci- special weaponry. He's designed a new trident for you. And I love this. The word trident like changes him. And it's like the old Finnick resurfaces. And um, and he gets excited. Uh, really? What's it do? I don't know. But if it's anything like my bow and arrows, you're going to love it. You'll need to train with it, though. Right, of course. I better get down there, he says. Right. Finnick, I say, maybe some pants. <laughs> it's so funny because it really is like she snapped him out of something, you know, with the mention of just that one word. She has she has snapped him out. And um and so he makes a joke. He's like, Why do you find this distracting? And and so she continues, you know, to playfully play with him. And, and you know, well, I'm only human, Odair. And um, it's just, it's, I like this. Yeah. I like this. There's that hint of, of who she got to know. Right. And um, I wonder if he would have bounced back if he wouldn't have been good to actually bring along, though. Right. You know? Yeah. So anyway, she apologizes to Boggs for doing that. And he's like, <laughs> right. listen, I'm glad you handled it that way because... That was you know, better he, than arresting him. I could just tell you that he, he was gonna he was bent on going and if he w- yeah. knew we were leaving with that and he would have yeah. he would have He would have uh, put up a fight. Yeah. Yeah. And so now they're in the elevator and I love um, this. I love this because yeah. again, I'm into the science fiction thing and, so, and stuff like this. And I love this entire underground world and the fact the elevator clicks and it moves horizontally. And she's like, what? Uh, it's it like, goes sideways. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, yeah, it's it's like this whole chain. You know, there's all these channels and it's like it's this. I've I've actually had dreams. And, and you know, this is actually no different. Um, There is uh, some Harry Potter. There was a Harry Potter when they go down to mm-hmm. the, the Ministry of Magic. Yep. They have elevators that go sideways. Yeah. And way before I ever saw that and before I ever, I've actually had dreams before of being in elevators that actually go okay. uh, si- you know, horizontally and then they lock in and then go vertically and then and stuff like that. So I just think it's cool that I've seen this now in, or, yeah, in Harry Potter and now in... And now in Hunger Games. Exactly. That's very cool. So... Um, There's basically an entire network. This place there is, is and it's bigger, bigger than she thought. And so they talk a little... She talks with Boggs a little bit about, you know... Um, what's going on here? And and that that twinge of hatred comes back. And so you had all of this, and you left us in the districts defenseless against the capital. 
He's like, it's not that simple. Um, we were in no position to launch a counterattack until recently. Mm-hmm. And then, so they get up to the um, to the hovercraft, and someone makes, and I think it's um, Plutarch's assistant, Fluvia. Is that okay. her name? Yeah, I think so. Something Fulvia. like that. Yeah, Fulvia. Yeah. Um, and so she makes a, a comment about Gail being um, handsome because they've gotten him camera ready and Bog says well don't expect us to be too impressed we just saw Finnick O'Dare in his underwear right <laughs> I love this because she's made Boggs up to this point her description of him has been so like uptight and Coin's right hand man and and this is you know you're kind of getting a she's kind of getting a glimpse of his personality right and so I, I like that. Um, so now that the the all the whole, you know, leading up to the mission is over, she realizes she has no idea what she's facing on this trip to District 8. Um, she actually knows very little about um, how the war is going overall, um, what it would take to win or what would happen if they did. Right. And... and then- Go ahead. Then we learn that after the dark days uh, and the supposed destruction of uh, 13, District 2 became the capital's new center of defense, although publicly presented as a home to the nation's stone quarries in the same way that 13 was not known for graphite or in the, it was known for th- graphite mining. District 2 not only manufactures weaponry, it trains and even sometimes supplies peacekeepers. Uh, basically she talks about the fact that, you know, the capital is where, you know, they try to get a majority of their peacekeepers. But the thing is, is it's a hard sell in the capital life. Um, you know, it's a 20 year commitment to the peacekeepers, no marriage, no children allowed. Some buy into it for the honor of the thing. Others take it on as an alternative to punishment. For instance, for instance, uh, if you join the peacekeepers, uh, let's see, join the peacekeepers and your debts are forgiven. You see, many people are swamped in debt from the living in the capital. I can imagine, right? Yeah. So, but when they can't get enough people from the capital to sign up, they usually turn to District 2. Exactly. Got it. So, um, so what's going to happen if they win? So, if they win, um, who would be in charge of the government is a question that Gail asks. And Plutarch answers everyone. We're going to form a republic where the people of each district and the capital can elect their own representatives to be their voice in a centralized government. Right. And don't look so suspicious. It worked before. Right. And then, and then we get this. And then she makes a comment against our current state. (laughs) Frankly, our ancestors don't seem much to brag about. I mean, look at the state they left us in with the wars and the broken planet Clearly, they didn't care about what would happen to the people who came after them. So that's, yeah, very clearly talking about our society today, that that the fact that our society is not giving a lot of care is to the future generations of people who will be on this planet. And uh, yeah, so uh, I was talking with a friend. So I wonder, Suzanne Collins, do you recycle? Yeah. (laughs) Go ahead. You were talking to a friend. What? Anyway, it just says that how angry this author seems you know, just overall. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about the the whole um, her whole idea for this type of 
of storyline came out of flipping channels on television between a reality show and war coverage. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah. It, it, so what if they lose? So what if they? I don't think losing is an option. Well, the it, it's a question though. It is. And it seems to be one that's been prepared for. It has been, um, which reminds me. Um, so Plutarch takes a vial out of his vest and shakes a couple of deep violet pills into his hand and he hands one to everyone. And then he tells, we've named them Nightlock in your honor, Katniss. The rebels can't afford for any of us to be captured now, but I promise it will be completely painless. And then they show Katniss that in her Mockingjay suit, there has actually been placed on her shoulder that holds her pill. So if like her hands were handcuffed, she just had to tilt her head to her shoulder and she could bite the the pill off. And she says, Cinna, it seems, has thought of everything. Everything. Well, doesn't he always? I mean, why he would she, why would she even question that? Yeah. Well, there you go. That is the That's end chapter of chapter six. six. And there was a lot to cover there. There was. Now, chapter seven, honestly, amazing chapter. Now, but I didn't highlight as much because it's, it's, all war. It's, it's a lot of descriptive stuff. It and is. it's very good descriptive. And I really enjoyed it. But I think we're going to go through chapter seven quite a bit faster. This whole book is a lot of descriptive. Mm-hmm. It, re- it really is. And, um, and I think that's probably because a lot of people are asking why they made the second book or the third book into two movies Mm -hmm. if that is in fact how they're going to break it down because there will be four movies there's definitely four movies um and if they make this last book two movies i think that that's the thing that makes most sense because it is very descriptive yeah and i would love to see them to take last book because you got one book is the first hunger games right the second book is the quarter quell exactly and the and then and then the you know you it would be just like uh harry potter the last two movies is right the fight to overcome it, right it, i i see and, it. It, um, i can't see any other way they would do the movies the only thing is is i hope that they do a bit of cross-telling of events like there's there's a lot of things that that are talked about here that could be kind of um, thrown into uh, anyway. There's a, there's occasionally you get some backstory, right? And they could actually use that backstory as filler for more things. Okay. And the other thing is, I think that's interesting is I believe that Suzanne Collins is working with them on the screenplays for the movies. And I think it'd be interesting to have more detailed things that maybe aren't even in the book. To kind of fill it. Well, see, they're not going to be able to do more detail in a movie. And another another problem is this is another. It's the same problem with Twilight. This was this is a book from one person's perspective. mm -hmm. And you can't tell a movie that way. Right. But that's what I'm saying. You have the you have the author of the book who can say, well, let's show this scene. That didn't actually happen in the book. But that's true to a character. Exactly. And that's what I'm hoping we see. We see some of that. Some things happen from another perspective outside of Katniss. But it makes logical sense that that's what led to what we do know. Right. Like there were things. It's kind of like reading Midnight Sun from Twilight Saga. You know, now that we see things from Edward's perspective. No, it it wouldn't be. No. Why? Because you're talking about taking a book and making it a movie. 
Okay. That the, it would be like there are things in Breaking Dawn that aren't actually in the book, but they could have happened because Bella is not in that situation. You know what I mean? I do know what you're it, saying, but it, but what I say is that that had, you know, uh, Stephanie Myers continued to write stories, she could write from those other perspectives and they could have eventually could. made it into a book. Right. Okay. Anyway. That makes no sense on to how they're doing the movies. It but doesn't I understand I, what you're saying. It makes sense in my mind. That's all I got to say. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really happy to not be in your mind. <laughs> I'm very happy Ooh. that you're not in my mind too. Because um, your head would implode. It would. My mind never shuts off. Your mind shuts off like three minutes after your head hits the pillow every night. If you think so. I honestly I do okay because I don't know how your mind could still operate under the noise of your snoring <laughs> okay can we move because forward because my <laughs> mind can't on homemade stretchers and wheelbarrows on carts slung across shoulders and clenched clenched tight arms bleeding limbless and unconscious so they've come to this hospital or makeshift hospital that they've made out of this what factory area mm-hmm. um, you will they said, just let them see you. Uh, that will do more for them than any doctor in the world. So basically, they've taken her to District 8. eight and, um, you know, they've been under, they've undergone a lot of bombing. People are really in distress there. And um, she goes to this makeshift hospital. Right. How is she going to be able to, to get through this? You know, uh, we Boggs takes them and we meet this commander, Commander Paler. And... Uh, Commander Paler is like, you know, oh, goodness, what's this? You know, who are they bringing me? So, yeah, I know who she is. Okay, so go ahead. Okay, well, um, Katniss looks- describes that, that she looks um, young to be a commander, early 30s, but there's an authoritative tone to her voice that makes you feel her appointment wasn't arbitrary. Beside her, in my spanking new outfit, scrubbed and shiny, I feel like a recently hatched chick untested and only just learning how to navigate the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know who she is, says Paler. All right. That's nice. You know, yep. she's so excited to see me here. And then she glances back and looks at the freak show that is her crew behind yeah. her. Uh, we have a mass grave that started a few blocks west of here, but I can't spare the, mar- spare the manpower to move them yet, says Paler. What's wrong, Steph? I just thought I heard something. I heard something, too. Okay. But it's either dogs next door or okay. McKenna, but I don't hear McKenna anymore. So, mm-hmm. All right. So we've got a mass grave, but you can't spare the people. Uh, she finds a slit in the curtain and opens it wide. Right. Uh, she basically grabs on to Katniss's wrist. Don't leave my side. I say No, Katniss her. grabs on to Gail. Uh, and that's what I said, isn't it? No, you said that Paler, you said she grabs on to Katniss's wrist. So, oh, I meant to say yeah, Katniss, Katniss grabs, grabs on to Gail and, and says not to leave her side. And he says, I'm right here. Right. Which, yeah. And then um, Taylor says, we have no real hospitals in the districts. We die at home, uh, which is the most. Well, I don't think Paler says that. I think that's just a description that Katniss is making. The districts have no real hospitals. Okay. Um, everyone dies at home, um, which at the moment seems a far desirable alternative to so what she, lies in front of me. She's been holding on tightly to Gail, but then she notices that uh, Paler, who's been watching me so closely, waiting to see if I'm ma- what I'm made of, and if any of them seem to be 
uh, right about the fact of whether or not they can count on me. So I let go of Gail and forced myself to move deeper into the warehouse to walk into the narrow strip between the two rows of beds. Yeah. You Katniss, know, um, is that really you? I, I love that. That I, I kind of love this image in my head of her just clinching on to Gail's wrist and terrified to step forward, but then being under pressure and doing it and doing it miraculously i mean it, it it's beautiful to watch her be with these people and, and um i've recently heard a phrase that says um a woman is like a tea bag you don't know how or you don't know what she's you don't know how strong she is until you put her in hot water right and that's kind of like th- this makes me think of that Gotcha. Anyway. We're going to pause for just a second just to investigate some noises upstairs. We think our daughter might be out of bed. We'll be right back. And we're back. So, um, teabag. Yeah. No, I just, her name starts to ripple through the building. The, um, the noises of, of pain and grief begin to be replaced by, um, words of anticipation and from all sides, voices beckon her. Yes. And she begins to move in. And the, the, the hands are, are touching her. And um, she's touching as, as she can as she moves through. And, and everybody seems to have a little bit more hope and anticipation and uh, they all say, you know, hey, how's things going? And she says, we've made it. Um, you know, just nothing of importance. No amazing words of inspiration. But it doesn't matter. Boggs is right. It's the sight of me alive that is the inspiration. Right. That's not highlighted, but it comes after the I hear my name rippling. Yes. So, and despite um, his controversial interview with Caesar, many about many ask about PETA, assure me that they know he was under duress. So that all of that, I have kind of a power that I never knew, and this is what I love. I, I ha- love this. and this is what Ham- this is what Hamish saw. Mm-hmm. I have kind, of, I have a kind of power that I never knew I possessed. Snow knew it as soon as I held out those berries. Plutarch knew it when he rescued me from the arena, and Coin knows, knows now. now so much so that she must publicly remind her people that I am not in control. I love that she That's finally fantastic. sees her true power She can power start here. to see it. And um, so she's visiting in the hospital and they are heading back when the sirens begin to wail. And um, uh, within seconds, a, a for V formation of capital hover planes appear. They're under and attack. And they are under attack again. I mean, they've already attacked this district this morning. Right. And they're under attack again. Um, she's thrown into um, the wall of the warehouse. There's a searing pain um, in the back of her right knee. And they are under attack and uh, of course she's got her super shoes on her super shoes i love that well that's i think that that's funny because she specifically mentioned the other shoes earlier in the book 
Um, Gail recognizes that they're heading towards they're the heading hospital. Towards the hospital, and there's nothing they can do. And Plutarch says that's not your problem. Get into the go to the bunker. There's nothing you can. She says well, you can try to tell her that, but this is what you put her in this situation for, right? You wanted spontaneity. You're gonna get it. Yeah, and then of course Heyman is like Katniss. Don't you even think about it as she rips out the earpiece and she is gone rogue. And yeah. I and I love this. She she's evasive and all this stuff happens. And then it's like, you know, does does Boggs know that you're up here? It's like yeah, yeah, well, he yeah, knows. He knows. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. And so I um, love this. She says, I bet he does. I bet he does. Yeah, she knows he does. I mean, yeah, really. And so she's on the roof with um, Paler and Gale, and they are shooting down um, planes and um, just rocking just the world, rocking it. And so they come down. Um, her team tells her President Snow just had them air the bombing live, then made an appearance to say that this was his way of sending a message to the rebels. What about you? Would you like to tell the rebels anything? Yes. Oh, yeah, I, I would. Can I read this? Yeah, please do. I want to tell the rebels that I am alive, that I am right here in District 8, where the Capitol has just bombed a hospital full of unarmed men, women, and children. There will be no survivors. The shock I've been feeling begins to give way to fury. I want to tell people... That if you think for one second the Capitol will treat us fairly if there is a ceasefire, you're deluding yourself. Because you know who they are and what they do. My hands go automatically, go out automatically as if to indicate the whole horror around me. This is what they do. And we must fight back. You can torture us and bomb us and blow our house down. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> and burn our districts to the ground. <laughs> I just, uh, just the moment of the three pigs. I know. <laughs> anyway. But do you see that? Yes. Fire is catching. I am shouting now, determined that he will not miss a word. And if we burn, you burn with us. And that, my friends, wraps up Chapter 7 and our coverage of five, or actually six, six and, and seven, seven of yeah. Mockingjay. And we are back. So delighted to be here. Thank you for joining us for another episode. Would you tell friends that you have? I mean, obviously, the, t- the movie's getting ready to come out. You're going to be in conversations with so many different people. Hunger Games is going to be things to talk about. Tell people to check out hungergamespodcast.com and if you really enjoy what we're doing here and I know that there are thousands of you who are checking out this podcast you maybe you've never even listened to a podcast now uh, or before but now you're like wow this is amazing you've started to find a couple other shows out there and you think I'd like to learn how to do a podcast do you know that this is what Stephanie and I do as our full-time career it's amazing uh, just our story and how we've got to the place where we are today. If you would like to learn how to podcast, I have a free tutorial, no strings attached whatsoever. Go to learnhowtopodcast.com. Again, learnhowtopodcast.com. Learn how you can create a podcast about something that you are passionate about. 
and uh, share your message with the world. Stephanie, anything else you want to share before we go? No, we're good. You want to promote AuthenticLifeRadio.com? Why not? Check out AuthenticLifeRadio.com for weekly inspiration and encouragement. (laughs) Yes, please do. (laughs) Anyway, my friends, that's going to wrap it up here. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, until next time, we encourage you to join join the the community. community. And may the odds ever be in your favor. Absolutely.